Columbus is your 2023 MLS Cup winner. As heard on Apple TV, they beat LAFC 2-1 to end a season that lasted, Tim, 287 days and saw 1,314 regular season goals scored, a decrease of 5% from 2022. And with that bit of... I blame Messi. I blame Messi. (laughs) He really underachieved. Um, That's that's the issue. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who've but cover the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. I'm Wes Bowling, who's done that on the radio side of things mostly. And I'm Tim Sullivan, the proprietor of clubcountryusa.com, where I uh, cover the team on the internet. We're going to have a lot of fun today uh, talking about uh, free agency, trade window, Nashville with a big addition. Uh, we'll do a lot of roster mechanism chat, and we're going to yes. nerd out on it. And Tim's he, he gave a fist pump with that, with that yes, by the way. this It is hot Tim winter, and it's officially hot Tim winter now. We said it last week. But we mean it this week because it is officially off season. Before we have a lot of fun, though, we I think would be remiss if we didn't first acknowledge that uh, there's a lot of suffering happening in our community right now. Uh, and uh, not to leave out communities here, but Clarksville, Hendersonville, Madison, Springfield, Gallatin, among many communities impacted this past weekend by, um, I think they're saying at least 13 tornadoes that came through our area mm-hmm. on uh, on Saturday. Uh, before we get into anything else on this show, we want to acknowledge that many of you are hurting and having a hard time right now, and we're all hurting on behalf of our city. We send you love. Um, we send you support. And in lieu of, or at least in addition to, a content recommendation, uh, wanted to right off the bat uh, tell folks how they can provide support uh, to those who are uh, struggling right now. United Way of Greater Nashville has a donation portal. Uh, United Way Greater Nashville, search them on Google or Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee. Both of them are running legit, uh, very beneficial uh, tornado relief funds that will go directly toward uh, purchasing supplies and helping those who are in need. I know the first inclination, Tim, that I have, maybe that you do as well, is to get out and and you know do some lifting and help, and 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 sometimes that's very helpful. Sometimes it's hard to get organized and we don't just want to show up somewhere. So those uh, folks are also organizing volunteers in addition to funds. Uh, I would encourage you again, cfmt.org, Community Foundation in Middle Tennessee, has a tornado relief fund uh, to which you can donate. It is specific to this uh, this disaster. Uh, Tim, a great way to to get involved. Yeah, and uh, I think people who are listening to a Nashville SC soccer podcast remember that uh, when Nashville C began as an MLS club, uh, a tornado ripped through, b- barely missed uh, my neighborhood. I think it was a little bit farther north of yours. I, I don't yeah. know the precise path. Not far. But not far. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's not fun. It's not cool. But uh, the one thing that we learned from that situation was that Nashville is able to stick together as a community. And it's, um, you know, Nashvillians are, are incredibly willing to help each other out. And it's a beautiful thing about this community. Yeah, um, it is. It is. We hate that we keep having to see how resilient and together we are as a community. Let's have fewer opportunities to have to show that, please, at least in adversity. Uh, But we do. We do time and time again. As of now, United Way of Greater Nashville has raised around $46,000 as of uh, recording time Monday afternoon. It's a great start. Let's let's keep getting that up. And of course, there are ways you can volunteer. Go to Hands On Nashville, and there are um, there's a list of ways that you can get involved. So you're not getting in the way of first responders or you know cleanup crews, but still contributing. Um, and it, by the way, if you're a member of our community and you need assistance and you want to talk about that, tweet at us, tell us, and we can organize support for you um, as well. So cfmt.org. Okay, moment of of um, personal privilege there aside. Uh, we'll talk soccer, and we'll do it. Uh, 
in a spirit of joy that we usually do, but with heavy hearts at the same time for what so many are going through. Uh, Tim, offseason is here. The trade window open as of Monday. Nashville's already made an announcement, the one we talked about last week. Uh, in addition to that, free agency begins Wednesday. The draft is right around the corner next week. What's your favorite off-season roster mechanism? There are so many in this league. I mean, I like a good old international signing. So, so maybe Nashville SC is, is not the club to be covering, but uh, I like a, a complicated international signing. You got to use the all the weird mechanisms <laughs> to get there. Maybe maybe an intra-league trade for player rights, as, as Nashville SC has done many times, including for Hani Mukhtar. They picked up his rights from Seattle Sounders way back in the day. Uh, maybe a little bit of GAM to pay down a transfer fee so that the guy doesn't have to be a designated player. Any sort of uh, combination of mechanisms is, is what I like. I love it to get as complicated as possible. I believe we had an episode early in our history on this podcast called Gam Tam. Thank you, ma'am. I think <laughs> I, my favorite is the trading of international slots. Not and that, that one much more relevant to Nashville SC, perhaps international <laughs> signings for the exact yeah, reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the corollary is that Nashville won't make a major international signing, most likely. But as a result, they'll have slots to sell uh, for those who are uninitiated. There's a certain number of, of players that are allowed to to be international players. You can bring in other players from abroad and get green cards for them eventually, and, and they count as domestic. Uh, Nashville has never, I think I can confirm that, has never used all of its international slots. No, uh, they almost not. always sell. And it's a way to get some free money when your plan was to go either domestic or green card anyway. So that's my favorite. There's going to be a question about that in the mailbag later, uh, because we're inviting you today, folks, to put yourselves in GM Mike Jacobs' shoes and make some trades. You're going to execute an NSC trade. We will each do one. I'll actually do two. Uh, we're going to get into the positional profiles of each position of need for this club and get you ready for uh, a draw, a tournament draw coming up this week. CONCACAF Champions Cup. We're going to call it CCL. Uh, mailbag questions, and then we're going to revisit our preseason predictions because I decided we should be gluttons for punishment today. Uh, <laughs> we actually did a little better, a little better, I think, than uh, than we could have expected in this crazy league. Uh, but first, Tim, ML Rose, uh, the first trade proposal comes from Aaron. He says, Julian Gressel for an animal burger from ML Rose. Do you know, what is, you're, you're really familiar with roster rules. What's the gam to burger conversion rate? Oh, man, if you... Uh... If you are a third party entity and you engage in some sort of gam arbitrage, that would be so awesome. Uh, but but so allocation money is typically a little more valuable than the US dollar because it's more limited than the US dollar mm -hmm. and you can use it uh, in a wider variety of ways in Major League Soccer roster rules. So it's actually uh, the amount of gam that you could probably get for uh, Julian Gressel is, is worth, I don't know, probably... 40,000 animal burgers. I don't know. I'm not very good at the mental math because I did not prepare to actually answer this question. Um, I, I'm uh, not living up to my reputation here, but uh, it's, an, it's an issue. And it's way more than that because that would make a, a burger uh, something like $50. Okay. So we'll say, we'll say 4,000, 4,000 animal burgers, which is about how many I've had since we started this partnership with them a couple of years ago. So you tell <laughs> me I could have just not gone to ML Rose for the last two years and, and Nashville could have brought in Julian Gressel. Cause I'd still not worth it. That trade. Not worth, not it. worth yeah. it. <laughs> not for a second. Uh, ML Rose celebrating its 15th birthday with a birthday burger this month uh, with some amazing ingredients. Now hop on your social media, go to Instagram, follow ML Rose. For more details on that, and we'll have more about ML Rose later in the show. But in the early shout today, uh, first, a brief overview, again, of the roster calendar. We reviewed it last week. We're not going to assume all of you were listening. 
Uh, go back and listen, though, and we'll talk a bit about Nashville's first acquisition uh, last week as well. Uh, today, Monday, that is, when we're recording this, the trade window is open after a three-month roster freeze. The day that you are likely listening, Tuesday, end of year waivers in reverse order of 2023 finish, and then free agency. I think trade and free agency dates, the two dates that most people are really looking for, that opens on Wednesday a reentry process for players who are out of contract with their clubs but do not meet the requisite requirements for free agency. Uh, that's December 14th and 21st in two phases, and then the Super Draft on the 19th. It's all coming, and it all comes so fast. Tim, does it sneak up on you? I mean, I know you, this is your favorite time of year, but MLS <laughs> I Cup like this was more than Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> MLS Cup was Saturday. <laughs> Yeah. And on Sunday, Columbus crew players and LAFC players were told their futures um, officially. Like it, it, it comes fast. Yeah, it's it's something that uh, you know Nashville making it as as uh, as deep into the playoffs as they did this year, which is the least deep they've made it uh, ever, makes it such that it it feels like it took forever to get here. But yes, if if you're a Columbus crew player or if you're a member of LAFC and you're two days removed from either celebrating or mourning an MLS cup. It's, it's an incredibly quick turnaround, but um, I get, guys enter this league kind of knowing those stakes, knowing those personal stakes. And um, it, it can kind of suck more than playing in other leagues. I think the turnaround is um, unlike a lot of other leagues, you know, your paycheck, you know, that it, your paycheck is actually going to show up. There are a lot of benefits to playing in this league in comparison to playing in leagues around the world. And, and guys are, are increasingly willing over the years to make that trade off. And I think it's something that while the reality of of not knowing your future a couple of days after you've won an MLS Cup is is not necessarily going to be fun. Guys are more than willing to play in Major League Soccer, nonetheless. And it, it, in a lot of ways, it's, it, it might even be a more pleasant end of season than uh, walking into the manager's office and saying, "Sorry, you, you're out of a job completely." Uh, in another league as well. Yeah, that's true. One guy who came over to Major League Soccer from Brentford a few years ago, Drew Yearwood, born and raised in the Arsenal Academy, at least for four years, seven to 11. So it's not really relevant, but I'm going to mention it anyway, because he's definitely a gooner, right? Uh, He is now a boy in gold. Uh, The trade details made official uh, today from Nashville SC, but reported originally last week by Tom Bogert. The the numbers, that is, are just now out, though. 75,000 in GAM of 24, 75,000 in conditional general general allocation money in 2025. So not a heavy cost for a guy who could have a pretty decent impact, Tim, for this team. Would you see this as a good deal? And what, if anything, does the price tell us about his projected value to this team in 24? It's certainly a good deal in terms of the potential you're getting for the dollar. Um, he joined Red Bulls as a young DP in, in Nashville. Is getting him for just 75k guaranteed, uh, the same amount that they got for sending Jan Gregush back to Minnesota this year. I think if you could ask most teams, would you like a 23 year old Drew Yearwood or Jan Gregush? Most of them will pick a 23 year old uh, Drew Yearwood. That's a great catch. Uh, That's a great, great tie-in. The math there. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Toodle Raman, who no longer maintains it. It is now maintained by Elliot McKinley. There's a master list of allocation trades uh, floating around out there. You can ask us for it if you want access to it. It's it's really awesome. It's it's not hidden. It's just a, a Google sheet that you need to ask for permission to see. Um, but anyway, in, in terms of what Drew Yearwood provides for that dollar amount, if he even performs as he has for the Red Bulls, uh, he, about 2,000 minutes when healthy and uh in the, in the good graces of the league, he was suspended for a few games uh, at one point here, but um, he's a solidly above average, but not necessarily anything special central midfielder, but I don't think Nashville needs a special central midfielder. They need a guy who's solidly above average, but that acquisition cost is, is entirely reasonable. And uh, as for what that means for Nashville's expectations, I don't, I don't think anyone, uh, anyone, you know, has any illusions that it means a ton. 
Mike Jacobs has consistently been open about trying to get undervalued assets. He spent that amount because that was what New York Red Bulls wanted in order to part with this player. Um, I think anytime Nashville executes a trade, they do so thinking they won the trade for the most part. Um, there have been times where they uh, kind of had to reacquire an international slot after previously selling them at the beginning of the year. They had to do it a couple years ago. I believe they might have had to do it with Sam Surge as well. But regardless, when they have any sort of leverage, they're going to feel like they win every single trade. They feel like they won this trade. Um, for the Red Bulls, it's, it's kind of also a win because he was on an option year this upcoming year for 2024. So they had the option to either cut him loose or uh, to exercise that option and, and get another year's worth of contract out of him and then sell that for 75000 in general allocation money. It's basically 75000 free general allocation dollars for New York Red Bulls. So... Um, I think you'll never see Nashville make an intra-league trade, except in those situations like um, suddenly needing an international slot where they don't feel like they won or where they feel like they spent everything that they believe that player is worth in order to acquire a player. And Nashville SC is good in its media materials at kind of showing its hand as to what it would like the narrative to be in a given situation. Uh, and they've done that here, I think, in their press release about Drew Yearwood and what they're emphasizing. They immediately in the second paragraph talk about these joining former Red Bulls midfielders, Sean Davis and Alex Mouille, talking about um, how those two players, Davis and Mouille, combined for a certain percentage of teams' pressures in the opposing half. Mike Jacobs' comments as well, industry and athleticism as a progressive box-to-box midfielder who should have been almost seamlessly with the group. And it seems like the club is trying to sell the fan base. Not that they don't mean this as well. I'm sure it's very sincere. In this guy fitting Nashville's DNA, which is a step a, a variation of what the Red Bulls do in certain areas of, of the pitch, uh, a little more direct, a little more high intensity, not a, you know, box to box pressing team, but a team that wants players in the 11 who can do that. Do you see that? What, and I'll go to Wyatt's question. What does Yearwood bring to the pitch that's different than Godoy and Davis, except for his age? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, maybe a younger version of, of those guys can be a good example. Um, but he does have a little bit of a different style. He's a defensive destroyer first and foremost, and that's probably no surprise coming from the Red Bull system. Um, he's more mobile than Davis, probably more mobile than Davis ever was, to be quite honest. And that's mm-hmm. not because Davis is immobile. It's because Yearwood is very mobile. I mean, he probably has a little bit more short area technical prowess than either of those guys at this stage. Um, obviously, people who have been around since the first Nashville SC Major League Soccer season remember Anibal Godoy having quite a bit more of that in 2020 than he did in, in 2023. And, and that's the nature of aging, unfortunately, but um, the shorter guys also do have a little bit better balance to go along with that sort of te- short area technical prowess. So that's something that he has. I think when you look at what he brings in the attack, you're you're probably not going to get a ton um, because he comes from that Red Bull system. He can provide attack in ways other than being that incisive passer, but kind of has a, a case of the Darlington Nagbees, although it must be hmm. noted that's MLS Cup champion Darlington Nagby. Again, so, again. So a good yeah. idea. But yeah, he's, he's going to connect very well across the field, but he's not really going to provide that that one pass in the final third that, that opens the defense up. So we're talking about a a, a mobile Anunga in a way, right? I, I almost compared him to a rich man's Brian Anunga, but he's much better at connecting passes uh, mm-hmm. in the back and middle thirds and Anunga is as well. Yeah. So this is not then probably the answer to Dax. It's not a direct replacement. This is no. phasing in some younger players to evolve the core. You'd still expect perhaps a, another central mid to be coming into this team at some point. Yeah, it's a possibility. And and 
you know, it's also possible that as Yearwood gets, you know, he's going to be 24 before the season begins. That's still a young player. There's still development there. Maybe he gets that in his game and you don't end up needing another central midfielder, but I would expect before the season starts that Nashville probably doesn't want to take that risk unless they see something now that nobody else does. Uh, we will note as well, today's episode is a bit of a sequel to last week's as well. So if you didn't listen last week, go back after this one and, and you'll hear maybe some some similar analysis, but maybe today's more robust or we've advanced the story, but there's some foundational analysis that can help you uh, as well. We're talking about uh, positions of need, for instance, for Nashville SC, which we'll touch on again here uh, in a moment. But first, Tim, let's make some trades. You want to? Yeah, let's, let's do put, it. Put on your fantasy cap for a second here. So um, we asked folks on Twitter, what would be an ideal trade that you would make with the opening of the trade window uh, for Nashville SC? No mechanisms are off the table here. Who do you want? Here's here's my here are my two deals here, and I want you to pick them apart. I want you to be Mike Jacobs and tell me why my Mike Jacobsing is dumb, and then you can do the same, and I'll pick you apart. Uh, first of all, sell four international slots. That's almost guaranteed to happen. Nashville's going to unload probably at least four of those. Market value for those typically around two fifty k. I think last year they've gone up uh, as there's more game available. Uh, and more need from some clubs to get after it and find some clubs from abroad, players from abroad. Uh, so let's just pretend you can get four international slots for a combined $1 million in GAM. Turn that $1 million in GAM to Columbus and Randall Leal as well for Julian Gressel. So Columbus gets a player that has high upside when he's healthy. Uh, Gressel ha- is more proven in this league, is a champion, two-time champion in this league, and Gressel becomes your right mid. Thoughts, man. That, that's a that's a pretty steep price tag if you're, if you're getting tag. rid of one million and uh, and Leal. Off of that I thing. thought yeah. about that, but I thought number one. I mean, even guys like we'll mention in a minute, Quadro Opoku goes for one point seven. Like, I mean, if you trade Leal directly, it's probably with his injury issues a seven hundred fifty k type deal. I would think, right? So you're essentially yeah. trading one point seven five or so in value, but giving Columbus a replacement player. Yeah, and, and it's worth noting that Leal makes a little bit more uh, than Gressel at this stage. He makes like 1.1 million and, and Gressel makes like 950,000. So it's not a, a huge difference uh, when you get up to that point, but it is you are uh, freeing up a little bit of salary. Uh, it's a steep price for Gressel, um, who I'm not who we both like, but I'm not convinced is a perfect fit for what Nashville wants to do on a regular basis. Um, I also am much higher on Randall Leal than a lot of people who have been frustrated with his um you know, maybe occasional lack of productiveness and health <laughs> combined. So, um, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It's, yeah, I, I mean, I, I could almost put Leal. You might do that. Mike Jacobs instead. is not doing that. <laughs> no, he's probably not. He's probably not doing that. Uh, and Gressel is perfect in a in a system where you'd ever want to evolve to a three back, um, but then mm-hmm. you have Shaq Moore <laughs> roaming your yeah. wing. So maybe it's not the biggest position of need in that case. All right, try try this one on for size. Then this one's a little more workmanlike. Maybe a little more uh, a little more Nashville SC. Uh, they've not had as much success with super dra- super draft picks the past couple of years. Those are always going to be hit or miss. Nashville not going to mm-hmm. be picking in the top 10 uh, unless they you know make a trade to do that. Uh, trade away that first round super va- draft pick plus an international slot, which to Nashville doesn't carry a lot of value, but to St. Louis City, it probably does. And Alex Wheel to St. Louis City for Jared Stroud, a player who had five goals, five assists last year can play right wing, can play left wing, can play attacking midfield. Uh, he's a scorer in that position. Alex Wheel is everything else in that position and an occasional scorer. <laughs> Again, here, it's my, I don't know if my price is too high, but I'm trying to get creative with some other roster mechanisms to bring in a guy in Stroud who maybe overperformed a bit. A couple of those goals were back passes to him. 
that he slotted back in the into the back of the net. But I think that's a move that could help Nashville as he evolve with a guy who's a depth player but could start for you any day. Yeah, you love to to swap some Red Bulls, right? Uh, but exactly. yeah, I, I Red like, Bulls roots. Yeah, yeah, I like that one quite a bit actually because uh, St. Louis City probably values Alex Wheel's strengths more than a lot of clubs around the league do. Mm-hmm. I like that one uh, a lot more. Um, I don't think Jared Stroud is the greatest striker in the world, but he's a guy who fills fills multiple needs uh, potentially depending yeah. on, on exactly what you what you are looking for and um, as we will talk about later in the episode he could fit the sort of the profile that Nashville is looking for as well yeah he's your guy you could put in and in, 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 you know in place of where you normally have inserted the Zubac or he could be a backup right mid or he could be a left wing for he could he could do a lot of things for mm-hmm. you I think especially in the absence of Fafa Pico where you're looking perhaps for you know a reinforcement of that position so um, okay good so number two better than number one Either one likely to happen, but are any of these? I don't know. Probably <laughs> yours. What do you have? Yeah, I I was racking my brain trying to come up with one. And honestly, um, uh, you had Gressel already. And I was like trying to figure out ways for Nashville to get Gressel, even though I, I say that he's probably not a great fit for what they do just because I'm such a big fan of him. I would go for a blockbuster trade and try and find someone who is just below the DP mark as a winger uh, and and flip probably uh, two international slots and, and 750k in gam. I actually did not come up with a perfect name for this. Um, I, I thought about Carlos Vela because his time in, in Los Angeles really does seem to be um, I don't, this guy's going to be a club legend, but it seems like it's just not the, the way it was before and it's worth taking a, a risk on a guy like that if you're Nashville SC, um, especially because he's a left-footed guy and, and Nashville can use those even though they have Jacob Schaffelberg still. Um, I I racked my brain trying to think of other other wingers that are that level of dynamism that would fit with Nashville and, and didn't come up with a ton. But um, you know what? I'm just going to shoot for the stars. That's that's what it is, is, is Carlos Vela. OK. And the backup option can be 4000 animal burgers for Julian Gressel, I guess, if you're looking <laughs> for a way to get him in here. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Vela salary wise, I mean, he's a he's a fourth DP, right? If that ever does open up. Right? Yeah, but, I don't but think he's coming his... in as a TAM guy. But if his if his um, you know as ineffective as he was for for Los Angeles FC this year, I think you can sell him on no state income tax in Tennessee. Th- those sorts of things and that's save a lot. Up of, a lot. Save, I know the California tax rates are up. Yeah, save him a lot of money and say, listen, you're going to be so you're going to be crucial enough to us that we'll we'll be paying you less, but you'll be as important to us. And you have a you know there is a sales pitch where you can sell him on his legacy of winning MLS Cup with two different teams too. Okay. Okay, um, I don't know that I see it, but I like the I like the ambition. I, sh- I shot for the stars, Wes. You did. I, I, this, that's what this <laughs> is for. We're putting on our fantasy hats, not our reality hats. So <laughs> Ryan right. Gold makes two point five million dollars. By the way, what the heck? Really? Yeah, He's I'm good. like seeing who's Man. close to Vela and pay. And, oh, and that'd you know, be a great like fit ninth for this in the league. But He'd yeah. be a great fit, but not at yeah. that salary. Goodness. Yeah. Uh, one note we should make too: we had discussed reporting elsewhere that that uh, referred to the potential of adding a fourth DP in this league. Don Garber shot that down pretty robustly yeah. in his state of the league address. So um, if it does happen, it doesn't look. I like poo pooed it at the time. So yeah, that's score true. one for Tim. That's true. <laughs> Another note, by the way, there was some confusion going back to Drew Yearwood on you know how many U twenty two DP slots would be available to teams. Uh, it looks like, according to our good friend Jeremiah Oshan and, and some other places. There may be up to three for teams to yeah. use. So if you think that Yearwood's coming in to be the only U22 player, probably not the case. Well, yeah, not, so it might be the case, but it's not the only slot. 
Right. Previous, so previously, if you had three senior, um, you know, 24 or older designated players, as all of Nashville's designated players are, who are all making more than $1.6 million, which is the TAM cutoff, your number of U22 initiative slots was reduced. Um, it's kind of, for me, fun because it's a weird rule and I love these weird rules. Didn't make a ton <laughs> of sense. It was punishing teams for wanting to be, um, you know, expansive and progressive and, and spend more money. You can guess that some of the clubs around the league were kind of trying to hold hold other clubs back from doing that. But um, at this stage, if everybody gets all three U22 initiative slots, no matter what their DP situation looks like, Nashville still has two available. So there you have it. Uh, more talk about roster uh, in just a little bit. Uh, first, a couple of you decided to make your own trades. One of them was serious. Uh, two of them were serious, actually. Uh, and both of them belonged to Aaron, uh, he says, Quadro Opoku from Montreal. Montreal's right winger traded from LAFC in July for $1.65 million in GAM. Four goals, one assist, and 12 matches for Montreal after the trade. Um, I think depending on the price there, Tim, he's a player that yeah. could certainly fit the bill in a Montreal team that might be looking to reshuffle the deck after a disappointing year. Yeah, it's definitely one that if it if his name wasn't already written on the rundown, I would have come up with it as one of the options. Uh, I didn't want to step on anybody's toes here. Otherwise, Gressel, like I mentioned, would have been one of mine too. I really like Opoku. Uh, I think he's not a great fit in Montreal. And I think Montreal is, is, like you just mentioned, probably due for something of a rebuild. So yeah, I really like that one. Another one that Aaron proposed is a player that I think in a We've perfect, talked about him a lot. <laughs> this guy that we have mentioned, I think he was last year's Sean Davis for us, right? The guy mm-hmm. that we said, sign this guy. And then unfortunately, Eric Williamson in Portland tore his ACL uh, just a few games into the 2023 season. Two ACL tears in 20 months, just played six matches in 23 before that happened. And yet he is the model, Tim, the prototype, I think, for a lot of people of the number six slash eight, mainly eight. Uh, that could really fit this team beautifully. He's 26 years old as well. He has everything this team would need, except, man, how much money are you willing to spend on a trade for a guy that's had a couple ACL tears in the last uh, less than two years? Well, I mean, that's we saw actually earlier in Nashville SC's existence as a major league soccer club. Nashville take a lot of injury risks on guys. They took uh, Brian Beckles as one that immediately comes to mind. They took some injury risks, hoping that they were buying low. And because he's and, the example you want to use, by the way, as a positive. Well, 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 what I'm saying is that was something that Nashville did early in the franchise, thinking this yeah. guy's, you know, he's he's distressed assets because Portland wants to get rid of him for whatever they can because because he's been hurt so much lately. Nashville's really moved away from that in the past couple of years. I think Mike Jacobs has seen that buying uh, the contracts of guys. Um, that have been hurt has has not really paid off for him. Um, I do think in some situations it would work. If Portland was willing to part with Williamson for a discount price because of those injuries, I would at least kick the tires. And I would think, um, you know, based on his pedigree, uh, this is a guy that that really fits the NSC DNA that we hear so much about. And it would be a really interesting one for them to look at. Uh, the Nashville SC stats with a nice proposal by all the international slots, like in in major league soccer in the so league eight eight times 29 now or is it 30 by next year yeah Might whatever take a that is bit more game the national yeah. saved up unless that's the master plan the whole time and then you control the market. 32 international slots <laughs> so if you have the cap the cash flow to do that gam cash flow fake cash flow you control the market you set your own price and you charge a million gam for each international slot and then you have whatever that math is times 29 number of yeah, eight times 29 times a million gam you just yeah, buy. I, you can buy Charlotte. You can buy the Charlotte. <laughs> they can buy the Charlotte city, the entire city. All they can buy Bank of America. Um, <laughs> I actually do think it 
based on how Nashville flips international slots, it might behoove them at this very early stage in trade windows to pick up an extra one or two rather than shipping them out right away <laughs> yeah. because they're going to be able to sell them for more later. It might be something to think about, but that is, uh, yes, that, that would be the most Mike Jacobs move of all to, to get every international slot and set the market price for them for sure. Uh, yeah, just watch the New York Stock Exchange. They're adding a GAM index. Uh, you can be able to, to buy low and sell high on uh, on general on international slots for uh for uh for 2024 uh so two more topics before we get into a, a quick mailbag uh positional profiles of need um we're gonna go forward midfield defender and talk about kind of the, the biggest style of play that nashville needs from each of those spots on the pitch and what they should be looking for in free agency and in the trade market and we'll start tim up top with forward yeah i think uh we talked about this last week i think they need to replace ethan zubak uh which um, based on the player's profile, should probably be pretty easy to do. Uh, you already have your striker who took a bit of time to acclimate and didn't really find his feet in Sam Surridge. But it's really simple enough that you want a guy who's primarily a center forward and is mostly willing to play depth uh, minutes at center forward, but can also contribute a little bit as winger depth too. You want a guy that has a little bit of versatility across those front positions. That may, it may very well be a Dem Sipic, uh, in which case a like-for-like like Fafa replacement to, to kind of amp up the wing speed a little bit while you have a guy who can give a little bit of time out there, but it's not a game changer out there, most likely. Um, I think that's what you really want to go for in, in those attacking uh, positions. I'll take midfield. Uh, I think you're number eight coming in. It, it, Drew, you not the sole answer here. I would agree with your assessment earlier. Somebody who's a barnstorming central mid. Yes, the word barnstorming key there. Uh, who's good in the repress, talented dribbler. Uh, so somebody who can make connections by working the ball forward with their legs and not necessarily looking to pass first, uh, somebody maybe like a, a, an early stage Dax McCarty, uh, mm -hmm. before he, you know, his legs got a little bit, you know, to ne necessitated him sitting back a little more and picking apart passes as he did brilliantly for Nashville the last couple of years. All right. I'll, I'll do the defender here. And I think what you are looking for most is a right back who can be, uh, who's willing to play those depth minutes. We talked about this with central midfield mm -hmm. last off season. I think you need a right back who's willing to be kind of your backup right back in a typical four man back line, but is also able to be a true right wing back in the back five. Um, we've seen Shaq shoehorn into the back five. We've seen Alex wheel play out there when Shaq is unavailable or um, getting rest or for whatever reason, I, I think you'd like to have a guy that, that kind of brings uh, the best of, of Shaq and wheel to the right wing back position and can be not quite as big of a step down as wheel is in a back four from Shaq. Rose K Kamara. He's already on the touchline. <laughs> yes. We, we finally found a guy who's older than us. <laughs> we did it. Hey, physically, he's 10 years younger. Uh, <laughs> uh, Comcast Raw coming up Wednesday. Uh, we're still finding a good name for it. Make some suggestions, folks. 27 teams in the tournament. I think I uh, incorrectly said 32 because there is a round of 32, quote unquote, yeah, uh, because a few teams get buys. Now. Yeah, into the round of 16. Uh, 10 MLS teams, six Liga MX, two CPL. It's Canadian Premier League, nine from elsewhere in the Caribbean and Central America. All right, uh, which Liga MX team do you want Nashville to have to face off with? Uh, either Toluca. I'll, I'll say Toluca as my number one choice and Pachuca as number two. I didn't put Pachuca in the rundown because the fact that they rhyme really bothered me, but I have I to say it. I love it. It's the best part. Those are, those are probably the two like least talented teams right now, and they're also not the Gigantes that are going to pay to you know, have their rosters reloaded by the time the competition rolls around. And um, my priority here is is winning. So I want to play the worst league MX team possible. My priority is chaos. Bring America back. Make them go back to Jonas Park after the fiasco that was last year. 
and and let's create a rivalry. It's three years in a row that Nashville would face off against maybe the Gigante in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Chivas would argue that, but oh man, it'd be fun to have a rivalry with one of the best, most visible teams in um, in the Western Hemisphere, or at least in you know our side of the Western Hemisphere. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, Nashville would not benefit competitively from that, most likely. But hey, might have said that in the quarterfinals last year, and they won that one. And you know what? People who make deep runs in CONCACAF Champions League, not Cup, often struggle in league play. If you play against the best team and the quote unquote best team in the region, we'll see if they end up being the best team in the region. But if you play against them and lose and you and you have a good good run, it probably serves two ends by not tiring yeah. their legs out in the competition anyway. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think that's it. I think this is a win-win for Nashville in, in year one of if CCL as much as everyone would love to see them succeed in that tournament. Which MLS team do you want on your side of the bracket? There are 10. Uh, so nine to choose from here. Who are you thinking? Yeah. I, similarly for competitive reasons to, to go out and, and win is, is Houston dynamo. Their late season run was, was dependent on a 33 year old midfielder who has famous fitness issues, finding form and, and legitimately being one of the best players in the he's league brilliant. for a couple months. Yeah. I think Ache Ache will probably be rested a bit in CCL so that he's not exhausted for league play. Cause they don't want to have a repeat of his first year with the dynamo. And uh, that provides an opportunity for the guy who was the heartbeat of that team to not be there. And it's about winning baby. So go out, go out and beat a, a weakened team a little bit. I'll go weekend team here too, I think, and say New England. Uh, it's a team that will be going through some transition. Obviously, the departure of Bruce Arena. Nashville's performed well against New England, especially at home. I think if the boys in gold end up with the Rebs, I think it's a team that could be pretty good by the end of next year, but might still be finding themselves under a new manager uh, early in the season. Not a tradition of success in New England. Bruce Arena took them to some of their best days they've ever had, and now he's gone. So I think that could be a, a weak moment for that team and could be a team Nashville would welcome on, on this side of the bracket. Uh, we welcome ML Rose. Uh, still working on that college football viewing day, by the way, to sit down mm-hmm. and go to ML Rose and enjoy a bite and a burger, uh, as it is, of course, the place to go to talk about GAM and TAM and uh, who's going to win the uh, playoff between Michigan and Alabama, which should be a tight one. Are you going to are you going to go out and catch a burger and watch that one in public? Or is that one of those that you're going to agonize over? No, I, I, I will sit in a dark room in my house with <laughs> just the television going and uh, maybe a couple too many cocktails in my hand over the course of, of the uh, 60 game minutes and uh, f- four and a half hours of, of television time watching it. It's not on CBS. <laughs> It'll only be a four hours, 15 minutes here. Okay. Uh, big announcement, <laughs> by the way, by ML Rose uh, in honor of their 15th birthday, they have announced another new location, Tim Gallatin. Woo-hoo! They're coming to Gallatin as their dominance of the greater Nashville area continues to grow. That's awesome. And we love to see their growth. Uh, it it makes us feel good because we like to feel like we played a, a very tiny part in it every time we see them continue uh, finding business success. And um, for people who live in, in the area uh, who have been wanting to go to ML Rose because they listen to the podcast, but but don't want to head down to the city, uh, check it out when it opens. I'm excited for them and I'm excited for ML Rose to uh, welcome you guys. We're going to have a tour day ML Rose when all these new locations open. Gallatin, <laughs> Franklin East Nashville. Get a bus and do a bar crawl. I love it. It's brilliant. <laughs> let's let's do that. I'd like seriously, let's do that. That would be a tremendous idea. Let's put it on the list of ideas for 2024. Uh, ML Rose, great burgers, great beer list, and great service at a, a values-driven place that also creates value for its diners. On to the mailbag. Great questions from you guys. Uncle BZ wants to look back for a second. Most of you don't probably, but I think we have a chance to 
uh, to kind of put a uh, a bow on uh, not a very great present from Nashville SC in 2023, at least toward the end. He says this past this past season felt more like a result of complete lack of quality depth, where injuries and fatigue took hold, mixed in with some teams figuring out how to stop Pawnee and composure issues. In your opinion, is this a result of tactics slash Gary Ball or front office? mismanagement. I think if I had to create, Tim, uh, a one-sentence narrative that described Nashville SC's disappointing end to the season, it would be this. League's cup progression punished the club's lack of depth, and the oldest roster in MLS didn't have the legs or ideas or composure to succeed at the end of the season. And composure is a point there that I think is the biggest surprise. Uh, So BZ, I'm glad you pointed that out. And I would agree. There were moments when they didn't live up to their uh, veteran steeliness that we've known this club to have the biggest culprits there, I think we really quickly discount how poor some of the finishing was from players Mm -hmm. who are otherwise really good finishers or at least proven finishers in this league. Uh, Sam Surridge didn't take the step up after League's Cup that we thought he might. I think he still showed signs that he was in the right place and will probably be a really productive addition next year. Teal Bunbury didn't have the year that he wanted throughout the season, but especially toward the end of the year. And some shots just didn't get didn't fall. I think that's yeah. a bigger issue than we're willing to to point to. Uh, and then a lack of available depth so that when Nashville was in a hole, it didn't have a lot of players it could bring in Tim to effectively chase a game in minutes 75 and beyond. I don't see this as a major front office mismanagement issue, a major tactical issue. Neither were perfect, but I think it was veterans yeah. not having veteran type moments. Yeah, I, I want to really quickly say I don't, I don't really think teams figured out how to stop Honey. It just it's the luck of the draw. Sometimes you create a great chance and it doesn't go in the net. Um, obviously, it sucks when that happens a lot um, in in back to back to back to back games, um, and they're all stacked up towards the end of the season. That's life. I'm have a lovely chart here that Wes is looking at that, <laughs> that you guys can't look, look at. But, the way. Yes, it's great. Um, it's it's just the date, the games in order. Um, I will include it in the story when I when I put this up as long as I remember. Um, but at the end of the day everything that you just mentioned was a problem. And and some of that is down to um, not making full use of the roster mechanisms to, to fill your roster and use the depth of your roster in a non MLS competition where you're allowed to do that. At the end of the day, the, the other clubs uh, kids are on scholarship too, right? It's the, the reference that I make all the time. Um, everybody has the same sort of resources and, and Nashville was, was certainly not, you know, one of the, one of the bottom half of the league, much less, um, you know, a team that, that misses the playoffs or whatever, bad seasons are going to happen. Some of it is, is bad luck. Some of it is, um, stuff like not filling out the back end of the roster in, in ways that you are actually using it. Um, not every season is going to be a great one unless you hit every signing or you have the opportunity to go out and overspend on people. I think, the uh, the David Goss theorem that we have talked about before, we've talked about it with multiple players. Um, uh, it's slipping my mind if we ever talked about it with Ake Loba. Surely we did not. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but I think I think Sam Surridge is going to be great next year. We saw many more yeah. flashes of that than we ever did with Ake. So it sucks that you relied on somebody to come in as a midseason signing and you know didn't kind of take into account that it's going to take a guy. At, time to acclimate like it does for almost everybody mm-hmm. um but that that's the one big I, and i don't even know if it's necessarily a mistake or just what was available in terms of actually timeline for landing surge but um that's life and and if if the worst season you can remember finishes uh you know in the playoffs and um with a chance to to have a home playoff game and potentially advance um obviously it did not turn out that way um, you know, you're living a blessed life, I guess. And that doesn't absolve the front office from, yeah. you know, not having optimal depth 
on this team in those moments. It, it doesn't certainly absolve them from not getting surge done just a little bit sooner, whatever the holdup may have been, where you can integrate him just that much earlier, maybe in, in League's Cup. Uh, I think there were issues tactically as well. The team, that it, it ran out of ideas toward the end of some matches, whether it's because it had no legs or no creativity or a little bit of both. Um, but I, I think we're looking at a team that if they replace Fafa Pico effectively, if they bring in another central mid, you're looking at a group that should be very optimistic that given the right service, Sam Surge can have an Adam Buxa type of year too. Uh, you know, I mean, he's a name we kept bringing up as bring him in, bring him in. Well, he's a version of that with the pedigree and with the playing style, given the appropriate play around him, that uh, he can be extraordinarily dangerous alongside Hani. And this could quickly be, a, you know, a top a top three team in the Eastern Conference 10 games into next year. And we've already forgotten about the failings of 23. I don't think that's mm-hmm. an irrational thing to either hope for right. or even to expect from this group. Uh, Tracy Edwards, uh, I think, is was working under the assumption here that there's only one U22 slot. And so I want to give him the grace of that. But he asked the question, after the buzzkill news about the underwhelming U22 decision, which you drew Yearwood, uh, I want to hear you guys unequivocally state your reasons why or why not you believe Gary Smith and Jacobs are the, Mike Jacobs are the men to best move this club forward. I, even, even just assuming that we're working under the knowledge that Tracy had at the moment, that this is one U22 slot and not three available. I don't know why this would change anything. Uh, in, in this case, bringing in a Drew Yearwood to be your U22 you know, designated player here puts that spot to good use with a guy who's played in this league. What else were you yeah. going to use that slot on? Probably a Rodrigo Pinheiro 2.0, a guy who could hit and be gangbusters, but probably needs to develop. So what you're doing here is what Nashville does. Uh, every time, which is to bring in a guy who has a high floor, even if the ceiling might not be, you know, an MLS cup or, or a, you know, an, an MLS best 11, I should say, yeah. player. Um, I think it's a smart move from that standpoint. And we've stated on previous episodes, several previous episodes, why we think Smith and Jacobs are the men to move this club forward at this time. We reserve the right to change our minds if no other signings are made this offseason or if the team starts 08 and two, but I don't think anything in the foundation of how this club is built suggests yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah. I, th- I want to quickly touch on what you just said, which is you're putting a U22 slots, a good use. And I think that's, that's the key underlying thing. Everybody looks at Rodrigo Pinheiro and says, that's a bad signing. I don't think Nashville SC fans have looked around the league and seen that basically every U22 signing with very limited exceptions has totally sucked. <laughs> if you can get if you can get a known quantity in this league and use a U22 slot on him rather than going out and finding a young um South American that that have pretty much universally been bad. Um I think uh Diego Rossi is the only one that I can think of that has really, really worked out. Uh I I I I'll take the known quantity in terms of uh, whether Jacobs and, and Smith are the right guys. I, I don't think there's a compelling argument yet that they aren't. Um, obviously, 2023 was not the best year for either manager or general manager, but I, I think you have to come up with a compelling reason that they aren't the guys to go forward because that's that's the null hypothesis here. And we need to, if you need to reject it, you need to come up with uh, a, a strong argument that, that that they should be jettisoned. And I think that's not a guarantee that they're the only or maybe even the best possible guys out there that Nashville SC could get. But I, I think they're the, 
closest thing to a guarantee to reach the level of success that they have. Whereas there's so much more risk. If you go out and make a change, you need to have a really good option of clear upgrade. If you're going to make a coaching change or a general manager change. And um, these guys have, have orchestrated one of the best four year runs for an expansion franchise, which I know um, the frustration of, of finishing seventh and, and going out in the first round of the playoffs kind of, um, you know, diminishes a little bit of that in the eyes of fans, but it is still meaningful that this club has not missed the playoffs yet, that they have, uh, won a playoff match in a couple of the seasons. So it is something that, uh, while not ideal in terms of how 2023 turned out, it looks more like the anomaly uh, in comparison to uh, what this club's level is going to be than the previous three years. Yeah, I think those who are against Gary and Mike continuing and those who support their continued uh, leadership can both probably agree that 2024 is a bit of a defining year for that relationship. Uh, this is not a team in its expansion infancy anymore, and it needs to show improvements uh you know and, and given all all of their conditions work in their favor in terms of injuries being less severe and you know getting the signings in you need to uh, i think this team needs to be better next year uh, and i don't think anybody's denying that uh but i i think in, in, in the challenge i give to tracy and to anybody respectfully because you have every right to your feelings and opinions on this is if you're getting rid of Gary and Mike, what's your plan for replacing them? What's the identity yeah. of this club? What does that look like moving forward? You can't get rid of them because it's not working without a plan for it to work better. And I don't think we have that part of the equation in place yet, even if you think Gary and Mike are not the right fit. And I'm with you, Tim. I, I believe they are the right fits, or at least there's not evidence to suggest they're not at this point. Um, and I think, again, we are undervaluing the importance of consistency in this league when we say, yeah. get them out of here. This is an MLS Cup team. It's not yet. It can be. It's not yet. Uh, Nashville SC stats. I know MLS is bad at sharing specifics. Could you possibly break down how much uh, uh, target outs, how much allocation money and salary Nashville have to work with this offseason? I stumbled all over that. Similar question <laughs> we got last week, but any updates you have on that front or any more perspective you want to give? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say they're bad at sharing specifics. They actively choose not to for competitive reasons on the global transfer market. That's important to, to keep in mind. We talked about a little bit about it last week, but um, it would be awesome if MLS got to a spot in the food chain of, of the sport where like NBA or Major League Baseball is that they're going to outbid everyone all the time. It doesn't matter the minutia of the roster mechanisms that are available when you're bidding against a foreign club. But right now it's in the middle of the global food chain. And, and so it is what it is. And um, they keep that secret for competitive reasons. Um, the short answer is it's, it's unknowable, um, not least of which because we don't know how much each MLS team starts with when they become an expansion franchise. That is the most closely guarded secret of all of this. But uh, I did back of the envelope math uh, back in summer 2022, and there was over $2 million uh, just lying around, plus whatever the initial allotment was, which again is a secret. It's going to be quite a bit higher than that at this stage. They get around um, $4.3 million in combined GAM and TAM each offseason to work with. Um, it's probably worth my doing another calculation at some point in the not-so-distant future, but... Uh, when I looked at it today to, to, to try and do an update, the spreadsheet was a total mess. I can't even decipher it despite the fact that I made it. Um, so I'm going to have to start from scratch again and, and uh, I'll, I'll try and get something together. Um, certainly uh, maybe by the time the CONCACAF uh, Champions League uh, is, is really about to approach, I'll have something in terms of what Nashville can do with its roster but salary going forward. CCL. Always, forever. Uh, Sam McAnally, the last question. The insight of what can be expected around Geotis this season, parking, dining, retail, et cetera. Uh, something where we can research uh, more for you and, and learn a little bit more to give you specific answers. We can say, according to a story uh, back in late March, uh, there may have been updates since then, uh, but there is development planned uh, for an eight-story project that will include da -da -da -da, parking. Uh, as well as some other um, 
multi-use uh, facilities there. So uh, more coming. Uh, that's a pretty shoddy answer for you. Uh, we'll get more research. Yeah, and I'm not sure that. when when some of those. Right. Uh, and I, I'm not saying that's by next again. year either. That's a good, good shout because they're tearing down some of the houses that are basically, mm-hmm. you know, in the backyard of Jodas Park or vice versa uh, to do that. So going to take some time, but there is growth coming. Will it come fast enough to have ideal parking next year? Signs point <laughs> to probably not, but uh, hopefully that's coming soon. Uh, really quick, going to revisit our preseason predictions now that the year is over. We didn't make an MLS Cup pick. Neither of us did at the beginning of the year. We did go top four. In oh, the- I, no, I picked Columbus Crew over LAFC. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to research that. We're going to vet that conclusion. <laughs> Something tells me that's not right. Um, you wouldn't pick an Ohio team for anything. No. Um, revisiting, though, our preseason top fours and supporter shield winners uh, just for fun. I had Philadelphia, Orlando, Toronto, whoops, New England. Um, and I said teams to watch uh, outside of that Nashville, I think I said sixth or seventh, which worked out decently, uh, Montreal, Atlanta, Columbus. And I said, I don't buy the love for Cincy. I don't get it. Well, they won supporter shield and Toronto (laughs) ended up last place. So, uh, the rest of that though, looking, looking pretty good. Uh, by the way, you went Philadelphia, Nashville, uh, New England, Probably would have ended up top yeah. top four had they not had Bruce Arena drama. And Atlanta, you picked them fourth. I think they finished what fifth. Fifth, yeah, yeah. So that close. And you said you were not sold on Toronto. So yeah, go Tim. Good, good work. We got really creative with our supporter shield picks and picked the uh, the conference champions from the previous year. You had Philadelphia. I had LAFC. So I'll take a little credit for uh, almost getting LAFC. They were second in the West. Philadelphia up there in the East, though, too. So I think that comes if out. Anybody, if anybody wow. out there in the world picks St. Louis to win the West, I will give you 1,000 US dollars. <laughs> Nobody did that. So you're, you, uh, I'll give you a complete pass for that one, Wes. I'll convert those dollars to burgers, and we'll go to we'll use the new <laughs> conversion rate Tim has established, and we'll, we'll sit down. That's like, I forget what that would be, like a quarter of a burger. No, it's more than that. I don't know. I'm confused <laughs> now about our math. Uh, <laughs> as we get out of here, one more reminder, cfmt.org. Uh, or United Way of Greater Nashville, if you'd like to help tornado victims. Hands-on Nashville, if you'd like to volunteer. Uh, lots of opportunities there, and we'll be sharing those links. have done so on my Twitter as well here. We'll continue to do so as we learn more. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. It's Hot Tim Winter. We are ready for more. Can't wait to bring you free agent news, more trade news, a draft preview, and much more in the days ahead. Thanks to ML Rose for the sponsorship. Moon Taxi for the music. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell a friend. Follow us on Twitter. And thank you to the 440 Sports Network. Have a great Great day, everybody.